Yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to this one. Uh, I really am, chaps. Uh, hello and welcome to The Game is About Glory, everyone. I'm your host, Steph, and joining me are Milo and Ram. Hello, gents. We are looking forward to this one, aren't we? Hi, Steph, and indeed we are. Hey, Steph, and ditto. <laughs> ditto, indeed, because uh, this is, it's sort of our half-season review, really. I mean, that's, that's to give it a title, why not? Uh, and it has to be said that nobody could have predicted the revolution which has taken place since Ange Ange Postacoglu's appointment in June 2023. As you'll hear, maybe even a couple of us couldn't have quite appreciated it as much. Um, We may have got close with performances, positions and even playing staff uh, in terms of, you know, predictions and expectations. But what he has done in reshaping how Tottenham Hotspur live, breathe and behave in all corners, and I'm talking about from the tea lady to training to top level Premier League performances, it's just been remarkable, Uh, not least... Uh, because it's kind of seen a 180 degree flip on what we were doing previously, right? I mean, <laughs> that's a fact. Um, it all makes this week's mid-season review an absolute pleasure, just in case you didn't get the message that we're looking forward to it. Because we are going to look back, we're going to probe and ponder how it's all been going in 2023-24. And I suppose that we should start first and foremost with what our expectations were back in August. Who wants to kick us off? I can kick off by saying that, you know, we recorded a pod back in August when actually us three were on it and we talked about what our expectations are you know what our predictions were for the coming season I know you've listened back to that this week Steph I have as well and I don't think we're too far off I mean as you said there there are bits you know obviously there's been lots of development since then um but you know my expectations were that you know we'd be well, I think in the forecast I said that we'd finish, we'd finish fifth. My expectations were that we should be targeting a Champions League place. And, you know, that's, I think we're more or less on track for that. So, um, yeah, my expectations were we'd play good football, we'd be positive, we'd be good to watch and, and that we'd be challenging. And yeah, I think that's more or less how it's played out. I think I was looking for maybe a top six or seven finish. Um, and I think I thought there was a lot of work to do with, um, you know, after after the season before and the season before that, um, I thought there was a lot of work to do. You know, in terms of where where we needed to head to, but I think I was hopeful. I, I just remember being hopeful for um, what was to come, and I think it was a case of like anything but what we had before. Well, you, you've you've touched on a, yeah something that's really important. I think in in terms of how I was viewing the situation, because I don't know if I had expectations. I only had hope because my expectations mm. had been repeatedly shattered over the previous three years, not the least of which by the fact I realised I'd been in- investing against my will in believing in in, in, the la- in those two um, big name managers who had, I think, dragged us through the mud. But Yeah, I mean, I think kind of one of the things we've probably got to take into account is like the back end of last season when we were talking about next managers. I think all we wanted, all all of us, what we wanted was to enjoy our football, enjoy our club again after... Mm. Oh, you know, what have been four absolutely. really tough years. And I think everything that we were talking about in the summer was, you've got you to view it through that lens. And I think also, you know, I think there's a, and I, I think it's false, but I think there's a, there's a view that there's a difference between a win now manager and a project manager. And that, you know, I think we thought that we'd appointed a project manager, although, you know, actually he's doing a dance like better at winning now than the win now managers we had before. And I think, I think, <laughs> I think some of us, I think, I think all of us probably to a degree were kind of maybe hedging our bets a bit and thinking, you know, if this is mm-hmm. a rebuild season, then so be it, as long as we're enjoying yeah. our football and we can see progress. So I think, um, you know, we were all, um, 
kind of really enjoying what was happening over the summer. We were all enjoying where the football was. You know, that, that pod was after the Brentford game when, you know, it was a, it was a credible, you know, draw away at a difficult club, you know, who are stylistically difficult for us to play against, certainly at that point. And I think you've got to, you've got to view it through that lens. I think, I think I've got to add here as well. And if, I think anyone who listens knows, I think you know the personalities on this pod at this point. I think we have our various ways and thoughts. And I mean, it has to be said, Milo, that, you know, you, you invested knowledge the moment that you heard this guy's name was mentioned. I mean, you did. You invested knowledge. You had a bit of prior knowledge about how he worked because you, you'd seen his work, you know, at Celtic and so on. But you, you sort of dove deep the moment he was, um, and, and you were, to a greater extent, sort of telling us what he was like. I, of course, was so shattered. I mean, I, I, I freely admit this. I was so broken by what had happened, especially with Antonio Conte, who really broke me on several levels. And so for, that's for another pod that I just didn't know. And my expectations of Ange Postacoglu were restricted strictly, number one, to hope, but number two, to a mother and son from Glasgow who were with Johnny and I on the roof doing our uh, doing our stadium roof walk right after he'd been appointed looking at me and saying you've got a great one you're gonna love him you're going to love him the kid was looking at me like you're gonna love him and i'm like oh, okay <laughs> like a happy <laughs> lap dog this sounds great and but you you had done the work so i think we had various balances coming into that expectation of Andrew, which it all ended up in the same place but our approaches were, were slightly different I mean, I, yeah. I mean, I gave up on the Premier League in the second half of last season, so I watched Spurs and didn't watch watch a lot else. <laughs> yeah. And feeling, I mean, I prefer to watch other leagues anyway. But you know what I was what I was doing in the second half of last season was um, kind of fantasy scouting. So I was watching players yeah. who I thought would be good for us. I was watching managers who I thought would be good for us. And um, I mean, that did. You know, take some. You know, there's some wrong turns there. I, I I watched a fair amount of. I was trying to work my way through all the Feyenoord's games when Slot was being linked with us. Um, but I had watched you know a fair bit of Celtic, and you know we did a pod uh, immediately after Conte was sacked, where we we went through the runners and riders, and you know I'd done research for that, and and carried on kind of watching. You know, that the long list we came up with then was was pretty much all of the ones that were getting heavily linked. We did did a reasonable job of pulling that together, and yeah, I, I'd I'd watched them a fair bit last season. I, I you know, and yeah, part of that was because I wasn't getting a lot of fun out of Spurs, and I didn't really want to see how the league was playing out. So I was you know kind of yeah, distracting myself. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I'll just I'll, I'll throw in off the back of this. I, I have to say that when we come into what we how we have done against those expectations, just to frame my expectations again. I mean, my expectations in terms of results and what we might do were fairly malleable. My my greatest hope, and again, I'll replace that, uh, I'll replace expectation with hope, was that we would somehow find some foothold on getting what I consider to be Tottenham Hotspur Football Club back. Mm. So, uh, you know, I've, now that now I have to ask you both uh, how you think we've done against, you know, your expectations or hopes, whichever word you want to use. And, and, and Ram, why not kick us off? I mean, I was... When, when I thought about this question, I was going to say, oh, we've, you know, we're massively overachieving and handing out, you know, all the deserved superlatives about where we are compared to last season. But actually thinking about it, I think that's doing a disservice to Ange because he said that we're developing at a faster pace than he'd expected. And I'll go along with that. But on a personal level, I'll say that I thought it was going to be a much longer trans transition, you know, which we've just discussed to the new ethos and system. But actually, Ange kind of, 
he he's he said it's gone a little bit quicker than he thought it would but his expectations are that we're we're on the right track and i i kind of i've i've come to trust this guy so so much so implicitly now that <laughs> that yeah i'll just go along with what he says um yeah i mean i mean we're broadly in line with where i thought we would be in terms of you know when i when we're doing foot, you know predictions for the season and what have you we're kind of broadly on track with what i thought um but i think in terms of Kind of impressions. I'm probably jumping around here a bit into some of the other uh, questions good. later on. Yeah, it's but you know, I, I, as I'm want to doing, I, I would kind of break the season up into kind of three so far. You've got that early season, that kind of vibes FC, which goes up to the Chelsea game, <laughs> where you know just everything was great, wasn't it? It was really, 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 really good fun, and everyone was just kind of just living the moment and. Um, yeah, it was just really good fun. And then you've got that in the aftermath of the Chelsea game, you've got kind of four, the four games where we're, we're struggling a bit and it's, you know, not quite there. And then I'd say since then, maybe the, you know, the performances maybe haven't been as thrilling as they were early season, but what we've, what on the whole, uh, but what we've been is I think, you know, we've been so resolute in order to get through that and, and get to this point of the season where we are. I almost think that's the kind of bigger achievement is, is that period, you know, uh, yeah, over the last you know two three months is is the real achievement. I think. I, uh, I mean, in terms of my hopes um, at this point of the season, I, I, I can only frame it uh, with uh, the reality that you know I, I take you know, probably had not really ever fully got over Poch, and even though my heart wanted Poch back here, I, my head told me it wasn't wasn't the right mm. thing, and it wouldn't be the right thing. Um, you know, but it was still floating around in the summer. Well, I mean. And just absolutely banished any thoughts of Poch in that. So, I mean, he's firmly, he's almost in the Keith Birkinshaw area of history for me now. I mean, to, personally, that's the biggest compliment I can pay Ange. And, and in terms of like, you know, we talk about these romantic phrases, the soul of the club. Well, I'm sorry. In this case, I think it's completely applicable. He has rediscovered, reinvigorated and re revitalized the soul of this football club as I understand it to be and as I've always invested in it. And I, he has thoroughly exceeded my personal expectations. And that's just off the pitch. I mean, on the pitch, we'll be breaking down more and more in a minute so you you just reminded me Steph actually that was my thought in the summer I I that this is how much this man has made me completely forget completely about Poch but I remember in the summer I was still pining for him even after we um got Angie and I was like yeah I wanted it to be Poch you wanted you know, we all wanted our thought. blankie I mean let's be honest yeah. <laughs> we wanted our fucking blankie yeah. because we've been left freezing yeah. freezing in, in in you know on a shit winter's day in a t-shirt and shorts yeah. with no sign of warmth anywhere and and we wanted comfort and security yeah. And we wanted to, to to stand for something again, stand for our football club. And yeah, yeah, I mean, it's incredible. I mean, I could go on. I mean, sometimes he, he reminds me of David Carradine from Kung Fu. He's like, so, <laughs> you know, he's like a philosopher. Sometimes he's like, uh, you know, Ghost Dog, um, the, you know, the, the, the film Ghost Dog. That's so, I don't know. He's got this samurai character uh, characteristic about him for me where he's sort of I, a I simple hate that. brilliant I philosopher. I think he'd hate that. <laughs> I think he'd even he hate, he'd hate that you didn't call it a philosophy. Right. Of course and he would. Mate. <laughs> That's okay. But, but I mean, he strikes that way uh, because in the wake of all the bullshitters around him, he just cuts mm. to what is real. Yeah, and, mm. and I think that's his real skill, isn't it? And I think that's... Yeah. It is that he can distill something that's quite complex into, you know, a few very simple words. And I think that's what makes him an exceptional leader. It's an incredible leader. skill. And I think it's, you know, it's why he can get his ideas across so quickly. Hmm. And 
Yeah, I, I, we've talked about this before. I, I, when I was kind of reading up on, on him in the summer and you know, listening to everything around all the podcasts, I could get my, get my ears around and, and everything else. I, I heard a story about his time in Japan and there was kind of, you know, a multitude of different languages in the dressing room. He's an English speaker. Most of the players weren't. They were using translators. And he was saying he had to be very, very succinct because what he was saying was getting translated for the Japanese speaking players, then getting translated again for, mm. for the other languages yeah. in the dressing room. And if he wasn't concise, then that team talk or that tactics discussion would take hours and hours and hours. And he doesn't like that. So he had to be very, very precise in his use of language so that he could get the message across. And I think that's a really interesting way of you know, developing a style. And, you know, I think, yeah, I just thought that was a really interesting observation. And um, I think it explains a lot. And it probably, I'm sure he was no nonsense and, and cut to the chase before that. But, you know, maybe it's just made him kind of a bit more refined in that almost. I think the other thing which has really superseded my expectations at this point of the season is the congruence that we have running throughout the club's footballing uh, matters. Mm-hmm. I mean, from from Levy to Scott Munn to the, the, the you know the directors of, director of football, and to the fact even that Paratici is still involved in the process somewhere. To the manager, it seems like a seamless, really efficient, and 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 very very coordinated directional thrust um, that's, po- that's so positive for us right now. And it's been a while. It's been a while. Yeah. Since we've had that. I mean, talking about kind of going back and listening to kind of old episodes, uh, Gareth um, talked me into listening to our pod, taken more or less a year ago after we'd lost lost to Arsenal, and it turned into a bit of a, a Conte autopsy before he'd actually he'd actually gone. But I think by that point, we'd all we all knew where you know knew where it was heading. And in that, I was I was saying that you know what I really want. Apart from the kind of football philosophy was off the pitch, I was saying, you know, I want us to be run like Brighton. You know, Brighton are a really, really well run club. They're really good at targeting and identifying players. They bring them through, develop them. Um, you know, just really, you know, sharp in the, in the market and in squad management. And I, I think that's what we are with, with that on a, on a bigger budget and, you know, bigger scale. Um, but you know, you look at the players we're being linked with, the players we're bringing through and, you know, I mean, people always moan that a transfer takes a week more than they think it ought to in order to negotiate, you know, to negotiate. And, you know, I saw loads of people pissing about over, you know, pissing themselves over Dragosa and saying, you know, what, you know, to play the bloody money, Levy, you know, all this kind of shit, which you always get. But, you know, we've got our man and, you know, it's, yeah. I think at the moment it's still the case that there's only one club in the Premier League, in the top 10 in the Premier League, who signed any players this, this window. It's us and we've got two in, you know, it's just yeah. Yeah. unheard of. <laughs> yeah. I think we have a belief in how we conduct ourselves now on and off the pitch, a clear vision that everyone at the club is brought into. And it's it's highlighted on the pitch and training ground, our transfer strategy, the business affairs of the club as a whole. And, and like, I'm not going to lay all the plaudits for that solely to Ange as well. I think the club deserves some credit because I think he was kind of like almost like a final, but, but probably the most important part of the overall club strategy. And I feel like we've been building this towards this, even in the content uh, Jose um, eras, you know, like bringing in um, th- this backroom staff and this backroom team, and that that I think has been going on in the last year, maybe even longer. So, so, so Ange is almost like the the, the cherry on the on the cake. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a really good point, Ram. And I think if the behind the scenes structure is right, it should be manager neutral, or at least it should allow us to 
you know, the next manager, the, the, the hopefully the transition should be more seamless. Again, if you look at Brighton, they're very, very good at identifying managers. They're very good at making sure they bring people in who suit the style and all the rest of it. And obviously, I'm not <laughs> wishing Angie's gone. I'm not, uh, you know, kind of counting day, down the days till he's gone. But, I mean, he's typically a manager who's done, you know, kind of two, three-year stints in, in clubs. And, yeah, what you need to do is you need to put a structure in place so that you can have continued sustained success. And and hopefully that's that's the kind of thing we've done. I mean, obviously, you know, I hope I hope he's around for longer and I hope he, you know, it brings sustained success himself. But if that doesn't happen, which is the case in most managers, then we're, you know, we're ready for, we've got the structure in place for the next guy. Yeah, we did. We've spoken about. I mean, Paul Barber's had a lot, a lot of uh, a lot of good vibes from us uh, over over the last couple of years. I think so. Yeah, I mean, I, the, the setup is is there, and and everything everything you said, Ram, about that. Uh, you know, it's not just Ange, absolutely. And I think, you know, as much as anything, the much maligned um, <laughs> Daniel Levy. And look, mm. he he makes mistakes. He does. They seem almost. Um, he 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 has a pattern with his mistakes, and we can discuss that another time. But equally, it's very impressive that he listens when he has to, and it mm. feels like this was a moment where okay, Scott Munn came in. I think it's, it's impossible to not um, overstate the importance of Scott Munn being there. I think it's been very important for Levy, uh, you know, in terms of a conduit. And you know, let's face it, he was one of the first Premiership managers I remember. Uh, sorry, one of the first Premiership chairmen. I remember trying to get this system going and we go back and we've been on about banged on about this on this pod as well, his Frank Arneson days and how he got sorely burnt by that. And, you know, that was the beginning of the feud with Chelsea and so on and so forth. So this is not his first dance around that pole. He tried it with Damien Camoli. I mean, he's tried it before. So maybe this is third time lucky for him in that regard, right? <laughs> well, more than that. But, uh, but yeah. I mean, yeah. Steph, you're so on board with this. You've got a run DMC t-shirt where DMC stands for Donna Marie Cullen, doesn't it? <laughs> I actually, it's funny you mentioned, I thought you were looking at my t-shirt now, which is actually a Charles Bukowski t-shirt, I may point out, but I'm like, what is he looking at? And I'm like, oh, you just wanted to get in a, a Donna Cullen quiff at my far, and, and you floored me with it. Um, okay. I mean, look, how have we played? through this first half of the season. And, you know, we're going to have specific moments to discuss. I know they're going to come up. One's come up already, and I think it's a, an absolutely pivotal moment in our season. But let's leave it as a general question for now. We'll get there. We've played really well. I mean, we're one of the most attractive teams in the league, if not the most attractive team. Um, you know, more recently, you know, since, since the injuries, we've had to tough it out a bit. But even when we've been toughing it out a bit, we've been playing some lovely football. And... I think most importantly, the players look to be enjoying themselves. They look to be enjoying playing with each other. They enjoy, you know, I, I just think the club just, you know, playing side just seems harmonious at the moment, doesn't it? And it's really nice. I think, you know, again, when we talk about kind of things we wanted, one of the, I think, but the benefits of some of those senior players moving on is that it's allowed uh, some of the younger members of the squad to kind of grow and establish themselves as well. And I think, you know, a lot of credit's got to go to Sonny as well in the, you know, the way he is with other players, you know, that kind of a lot more, mm. I think, kind of supportive and um, just kind of the outwardly support from him. I, I was thinking back when we were kind of in prep for this pod. Do you remember when Richie scored that goal and um, and Sonny kind of picked him up by the cuff and was pointing to him like in, you know, in front of the fans? And I just think 
it feels like the happiest squad we've had for a long, long time. A long, long time. And I don't think that would have been possible without those changes, without allowing you know, the, yeah, those players to come through. It's almost like kind of trimming back, you know, a, a shrub or a bush or something in your garden, isn't it? And allowing the kind of, the, sh- new, the green shoots to come through, the new shoots to come through, the new growth. And, you know, it, it's, it's hard because I think, you know, there's a lot of players there that we've become very, very, you know, fond of and, you know, very attached to. But I think it was necessary. And I think that's kind of, that's what's resulted in this. Yeah, I mean, that's really perfectly said, Milo. And I think we're playing like a team that that has freedom and that freedom is allowed because of the system that we're playing in. It's a freedom that uh, allows, it's, it's it's a freedom that makes us a cohesive team. However, the system allows individual players to play unshackled from, you know, from caution almost because they're just told to be aggressive, you know, rock and roll, come forward. And um, and, Ange, and what I love about Ange, in, you know, in, in being a, the creator of that system, is he said, if you fuck up, that's on me, unless that, you've done something that goes uh, against the system. That, that, that's the, the major point I wanted to make about how we've played this season, is that, in my opinion, the players are now playing with a tremendous sense of security and trust. Mm. They trust the manager when the manager tells them to do things like going down to nine men against Chelsea and continuing to play the way they're playing they know that the manager is not going to throw them under the bus if mm. for some reason we let in two late goals and end up losing the game 4-1 they know that he has their back because they know it's it's a philosophy that he believes in and he's prepared to let them learn their way into and the levels of trust there are massive and that game yeah. in particular for me to me it was as significant a Chelsea game as the as the battle of the bridge in terms of the foundation it's laid for where we're going um and i think we've seen it with the injuries that have happened where we did go on that the, the bad runs quote unquote which by the way other teams have been on even worse runs mm. above us and have not been mentioned in the same light these players trust they trust the manager oliver skip trusts the manager it's massive it's such a massive thing and it's really freeing us up to be the team that we are and i think we're a fucking good football team <laughs> yeah. yeah and i think agree i think I think people underestimate um, kind of the preparation that goes into it. I think people don't agree with that. I think people think that he just tells them to go out and play their football, and it's, it's ridiculous. You know, you look at some of the the moves, you know, out from the back and how we're passing through. It's every bit as uh, as as um, uh, kind of the preparation for it. it must be every bit as detailed as what Conte did. You know, maybe not as repetitive. You know, you know but you know, there's clearly drills through the you know the pitch that we're working on. You know, you only have to look at the kind of ball out to Johnson from uh, from midfield. Johnson comes in first time whip across the box to to Richarlison. That's an automation. But the players look relaxed playing it. They look like they're enjoying themselves playing with it. And the point you both make there about you know they they know that they're not going to get balled out if they make a mistake or um, you know it doesn't come off. Um, but yeah, in terms of you know our, our style of play, our system of play, it you know it's it's quite regimented. You know, and I think Andrew Self has said this. You know, if you think that it looks looks easy and free, then I've done a, you know I've done I've done my job. But it's it's not that. Hmm. Well, I mean, to your point, anyone who thinks that we are just you know going out and, and you know the players are being told to play their football, if you say well, that not, to a it's collection, not Harry Redknapp, you know, <laughs> yeah, but but I mean, if you say that to a collection of footballers, especially this collection of footballers who have been through, well, actually, it's less and less that have been through the trauma of the last two seasons because we've done a good job of turning it through. But intrinsically, if a if a football team goes one up, 
their their natural instinct is to sit for 10 minutes and see if they see well can we get a second or should we kind of sit firm and hold a little bit of caution creeps in because you want to win the game you know and wants to win the game but he wants to win it in the way that he knows we can win it and so you know if we had let if we imagine if we let these players play play their way we'd have had a lot more like you know uh, just unsure unsteady performances uh mm. so yeah i mean it just your point is supported by the way we're playing the results we're getting and the only time he's actually expressed disappointment with the players or like clearly been frustrated Wolves. with them is when they've done that the Wolves. only time you, Wolves and yeah. um the Shakhtar preseason uh, game yeah. when he was oh, shouting yeah. at um, at Hoybier and we kind of sat off. We sat off then. So yeah, there's a, there's been a few instances of that. But if yeah, yeah, I mean, I think you know that Chelsea game is the perfect perfect example of that. He did something that kind of virtually no other manager in the league would do. Well, and I'm, and pundit land was incredulous, weren't they? But they've been like that all season. I mean, I you, know, know, I, you know, I've been kind of moaning about this yeah, kind of week it. in, Come week on. out. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, you've got, you know, I think that half of them just don't understand the tactics. And it's kind of this, um, you know, proper football man, um, you know, football was better in my day um, thing, which I absolutely hate. You know, fullbacks, you know, basically, I mean, the fullback was where you, you know, <laughs> They were, you know, not the best players on the pitch, were they? They weren't, you know, <laughs> and the kind of traditional centre, you know, fullbacks complaining about, you know, what's actually, you know, is, is a really interesting, you know, development, interesting way of setting the team up and, um, really allows us to play. And they just don't get it. And, you know, they think they'd be better off kind of hanging around the half away line, whipping in crosses rather than actually, you know, how Angie's using them. And, you know, for all the, talk about it we're, we're not caught out in behind them it doesn't ha- it doesn't happen no. because you, the system actually uh, you know it compensates for, for it compensates yeah, yeah. for it and yeah they just don't get it and then you know obviously we've had some of the kind of contrarian bullshit where you know jonathan lew and then kind of others in the guardian as well um which i think as much as anything and they're just trying to get a us usp aren't they so they can try and get some work off the back of it but it's just you know it's pathetic but um fuck them because it's fun, yeah. <laughs> basically. Yeah, yeah. It, that reminds me of like, uh, and and even with um, opposition fans as well. Like when we went, when we were going through that difficult period with the injuries and the suspensions, and I remember, you know, a lot of a lot of our fans and 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 pundits as well. They're like, oh, okay, you know, this is Tottenham have come back down with a bump. This is this is their level. This is what we all knew would happen. And normally, I'd get, you know, I could feel that I would normally get very defensive about stuff like that. But I just smirked because I was like, no, it's okay. And it's you know, to your point, Steph, earlier, it's that there's trust there. Um, and, and as we all know, it's like the trust is there in, in this manager. So I was like, it's okay. We know, we know what's happening. We see it week in, week out. And we know that there is still progress every week. Even with those four losses in a row, there was progress. And, um, and so I could just smirk it off. Do you think, and this is a little side jog for a moment, but do you think, you know, we're in a, we're in a society where everything is a, a little more, I would, I would suggest a little more vacuous in terms of instant uh, appraisals of situations, people, things, whatever, uh, maybe not as much knowledge invested in an opinion. Um, 
uh, there's maybe never been a time in humanity where that's been more prevalent. Do you think that Ange suffers has suffered from that a little bit up until this point? I, by the way, think the table's flipping. But do you think people look at him and think, oh, well, look at him. He looks a bit, he can look a bit disheveled. He can look a bit like, you know, a grumpy bear. He's a little bit, you know, he's being, being, a, being a, a larger bear myself. You know, he's a little bit of a big lad as well. And he's, and he's you know, he's at, he's at that age, which he's neither, you're neither old enough to be considered full of wisdom or young enough to be considered sexy, a word that I presume... <laughs> Uh, Andrew would smirk at in relation to his name anyway but do you think he suffered from this and 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 throw in the like you know the Celtic thing and like well he's never managed in a big league all of that crap I mean he's had to wade through all that as well right yeah I think that's the thing it's it's I, I would say it's potentially more the latter in terms of like his background and where he's been and I think there's a certain arrogance of like well what you know but he he wasn't expected no, no one expected him to have the start he had with us and um and that and then it happened and i think people were just waiting for him to fall because they I, it, it blows up the narrative that um someone from his background can just come out of nowhere it, it, it has happened before but yeah. like it is a rare thing to happen and he wasn't a big name you know and even even amongst our own fan base when he was signed there was a bit of a but there was a, some light grumbling, you know, and and because of because no one really, you know, did the research into into his background apart from Milo, obviously. But um, <laughs> but yeah, so I think there is that there was that, and I think once once you've had that pre, um, preconception of someone and it's blown apart, then you're just hoping that you know you want to be right, so you're just hoping that that he'll he'll fall at some point. Yeah, I mean, I think I, mean, I think we should call it what it is. I think a lot of English fans are very parochial in their outlook and you know a lot of them don't you know if they look outside the greatest league in the world the only other leagues they're really they're really paying attention to are Spain and Italy and anything outside of that is you know, kind of frowned upon or looked down on and you know I hate the all kind of farmers league shit that gets thrown around about any league and um you know and, and it's it, you know it's ludicrous there are good coaches in in all you know in all, all sorts of leagues and it's far more in you know if there's going to be an original idea if there's going to be original approaches coming out it's far more likely to be somewhere you know off the beaten track a little bit it's not getting quite so much attention because that's where something like that might come through you know innovative ideas will come through mm-hmm. uh, you know i mean league in france is a, a prime example of that there's you know that's you know where you've got lots of exciting young players lots of exciting young coaches and everyone looks down their nose at it here which is which is ludicrous and so I, I think I think it's I think it's that with Ange, you know, he you know he hadn't ma- managed in a major European league. He's Australian, I, you know. You see that a lot from English fans looking down their nose at, uh, you know, uh, kind of non um, you know, countries that they consider not to be kind of football you know, powerhouses, and um, and it's just small minded. I think it, it, it it's very small minded, and it's also it actually brings me back to you, and I, I just uh, was making sure I got his name right. And you're you're sort of get where I'm going when I say this but if you remember Phil Brown the manager of Hull City who once infamously mm. held a, a half-time team talk on the pitch now I mean with the greatest of respects to him he made it as a professional manager and I never have um you know I think his appearance and his air and his matiness and so on and so forth and his connections and his ability to play the media card very very sort of in a jocular fashion and, and his tan all of it aesthetically he got a lot of breaks that perhaps his abilities didn't warrant and i guess what i'm saying is that i think that Angers has suffered to an extent for the van he doesn't play that game in that way i mean people have warmed to him because he is actually a, a tremendous uh, uh, you know um 
gives a tremendous quote, I think is probably the phrase I'm looking for. I can't mm. think of anything particularly cohesive to put that phrase together. But you know the sentiment I'm making. He's very yeah. good with the press, but he does not play games with the press. Yeah. He does not play the media card. He doesn't go to tanning booths. And I'm not suggesting Phil Brown did, but my word, if you get a tan <laughs> like that in Hull, you're, you're really going some. Uh, you know, and he doesn't, and he doesn't wear suits like, like that. As he just aesthetically, I think, you know, people looked at him and saw like, oh, <laughs> Yeah. Know, he's going to spill gravy on his shirt or something and i think he you know uh, by the way i have seen him wear a suit and look fantastic i'm not you know what i'm trying to say here yeah, i yeah, think yeah, a lot no, of totally. ignorance and you mentioned jonathan yeah. Liu earlier uh milo i think that uh and you you actually pointed me to that piece that he'd done you know it was just so uh, such a huge example of the point i'm trying to to make and another prejudice and just had to overcome in my opinion. yeah i mean i think basically to take the path you've he's taken and to get to the premier league you've got to be good and yes. you know whereas if you're a you know, high profile player in the premier league or somewhere else then you can walk into a top job you know um yeah. You know, Frank Lampard walks into a job, you know, Stephen Gerrard walks into a job and it's, it's ludicrous, you know, and, and I think, mm. you know, the kind of comments that he would get on his appointment didn't happen with those players because, you know, people were kind of thinking that being a successful Premier League player automatically mm. transfers into, being a successful manager and obviously it hasn't worked out that way but we ought to try and get back to talking about the football rather than whinging about other people because i think really what we ought to be doing here is <laughs> a kind of celebra- a, ce- a celebration of the season this- really because we've, we've kind <laughs> of got right. ourselves Bring into a hole here Trevor, every yeah, yeah. So, i mean well i will uh, no but i do want to round that off by saying i am so mm. happy to see and represent yeah. like you know represent re- real reality uh humanity intelligence, authentic. calm experience authenticity so hopefully yeah. that adds a slightly more positive curve but milo bring it back to where we need to go i know what you're saying but also fuck everyone else (laughs) (laughs) do you want to talk about the impact that Ange has had steph or have we kind of covered that i don't know no i think we should i think uh, i think absolutely um but uh, i i mean i do have something to say about this um that's that's actually almost pre-prepared so ram i'm going to put you on the spot and say if you want to free will for a moment yeah. before i uh, p- please go for it is this sort of like Ange's impact yeah you know what what's he what's yeah. impressive okay yeah i think i th- i think he ev- ev- what we've just talked about him all those positive aspects of his personality of of him as an individual he's kind of exerted that onto the club but it exerted it in a way without ego mm-hmm. so he's got everyone from the players to the fans even the tv crews that pull in he's got them all in the same run you know pulling in the same direction for the club i think making uh, milo mentioned it earlier making sonny captain has had a brilliant positive effect on the on the player and on the team uh you know because he's really stepped into that role and you can see how well the other players have responded to that decision and I, th- I feel like he's been making decisions like that however big however small that are just making him so endearing to everyone around him um to, to the people that matter and and that's the impact he's got he's got us running you know like you, you, when you look at the youth teams play and you look at um you know you look at the under 21s or whatever and they're playing in the similar system and when other managers have done that they've rightfully got plaudits they say oh if you know if Klopp does that everyone goes his authority is all you know over the club and we need to give Ange that credit as well you know like I said the club deserves a lot of credit but Ange was like that final piece of the puzzle and he's just pulled it all together but the, the advantage he's got is not only has he done that he's just a decent person Mm -hmm. (laughs) and because of that everyone is sold in 
I think I think there's a, also been for many many years but one of the great discussions in pubs and <laughs> football forums around the world is winning mentality. Everyone goes on about mentality, right? And you know, let's face it. And I know we don't like to go backwards too much to look, but you know, to our last two big profile managers, you know, built their reputations on mentality, on a winning mentality. You know, they would speak uh, passionately and with fire about winning mentalities, and you know, so on and so forth. And then, as we've seen, actually. Uh, when it came to to applying uh, that in in a practical sense, uh, fell short when they actually had a challenge at Tottenham Hotspur Football Club, which that's <laughs> a challenge, right? I think what I've loved the most about Angie's work is that he is practically instilled a mentality, and he did, and he's not performative mm. about it in any way. He's very low key about it, extremely low key. Mm. He's quite the, the mantra is basically the same. We've been hearing him say the same things all season. He wants to win. He wants to win playing the way we play, and it's that. And but he is. It's we are practically developing a mentality that I think. Look, I mean, let's go. Let's not go into our predictions for the next two seasons. But you know, the way that we are right now. I think that we can challenge for the very, very biggest trophies. We really can. And I'm sure there's a pod to be done about the timing of that off the pitch as well. And um, I, I think, Milo, actually, even in the Brentford pod, you were discussing that timing, um, it, you know, commensurate to other teams around us and how that might work out. And by God, it's working out pretty well, it looks. <laughs> mm-hmm. But he's not a performative, uh, you know, he's not a performative dancer. He's not a performative talker. Yet I think this team has developed a mentality unlike any I've seen since the earlier days of Poch. And again, we go back to the Chelsea game. We go back to the massive injury crisis we've had and players coming in and just doing it and still being able to pull out results. So for me, that's been just such a massive thing. Yeah, I mean, I think he leads by example, doesn't he? And um, he kind of, you know, he kind of embodies that. And, you know, it's the old cliche about teams uh, kind of reflecting the personality of a manager. And I think you can see that with him. I think in terms of kind of what's impressed me, I think the speed at which he's managed to get kind of new players coming in and, and playing, you know, if you think, you know, that Brentford game, the first game of the season, uh, Van der Ven had two, three training sessions before that, and then straight straight in the starting lineup. And then Romero's off with concussion after, you know, what, 15 minutes, something like that in that game. And, and Sanchez is next to him and it, carry on carry on doesn't matter you know we saw that with Werner coming straight in against Manchester United not afraid to bring players in and you know the speed at which we look like a cohesive unit when you think about you know kind of you know Kane going uh Lloris going you know Dyer's been sidelined barely played a ball um you know all the way through you know this team we've seen senior players moved on and and you know very much a new team developing and you know whilst playing a new new type of football, you know, whilst you know, all this change going on, and it's been pretty seamless. And then, you know, you think about all the kind of difficulty and hardship that we've had to deal with and players playing out of position. And he's never moaned about that. He's never um, you know, hit out at refs or anything else. He's just kind of quietly gone on with it and just and said, you know, them's the breaks and, and we're going to carry on playing our football. And again, you know, you think after that Chelsea game, everyone was saying, oh, well, they're going to have to start being more defensive now. They can't carry on playing like that. Well, we have, mm-hmm. you know. So I think he's exactly the kind of leader that I like. He's the kind of person that I like, you know, working with. You know, obviously not, I don't work in football, but, you know, people I like working with because, you know, leads by example, does what he says he's going to do. He's very clear about what he wants from from his players it's just great leadership and what's what's bizarre is that it, it seems like it's rare in football where so much of it is performative so much of it is uh you know kind of whining and complaining and you know all the rest of it 
which in any other workplace you would just say were really shitty kind of leadership behaviors and you know we're saying that this is this is weird um so yeah i think he's great i think he's absolutely great and um i'm fully bought in fully bought in and um yeah I'm just, we're just so lucky to have him oh, i mean there's you, you mentioned in any other business that kind of leadership i mean i i think I, I think he's the sort of leader that could run could run any company and probably do it a good deal better than most companies have run for precisely the reasons you just outlined as you say he is the most natural of born leaders um and and the way he brings it across is just is just fantastic as we've all agreed he ain't performative he's practical and uh it's fantastic and yes we are so lucky to have him and i mean i suppose you know it's fair to say he is the dominant force of this halfway point we haven't even mentioned james madison <laughs> you know who has been fantastic for us we haven't mentioned destiny Dougie. we haven't mentioned players as mm. we've been speaking for this first bit we may well be mentioning them very soon now, now. yeah <laughs> but, my point, but, but my point being that in the general conversation we've had it has you know this yeah. is this is this has been angie's um well he won't call it a victory walk he'll call it doing his job and maybe we'll just leave it at that um but yeah we are at the point where we are going to start calling people out in the positive that is uh we're at the halfway stage of the season so <laughs> who what is our best new signing milo I'll take your pick. Madison, Van der Ven, Vicario. Does the doggy count? I think he's got to, hasn't it? Um, yeah. I, I'll get, I, I'll, yeah. I mean, I'd, I'll go for Vicario out of those because he's played all the way through. Um, I think it's really difficult coming in and um, you know, taking over from someone who's been there so long. And again, it's been pretty seamless. Um, you know, he hasn't really, hasn't really made any mistakes in the league. And it's, it's, and he looks like he's one of the best, you know, two or three in the league, which, it's remarkable, but I mean, the, the, you know, the others have all been great, and you know, if he, if any of you pick them, I'll agree with you because it's, you know, yeah, sport for choice. Yeah, I, I mean, I completely agree. I think I, I even wrote down. I think almost every signing has a case to win this, but for me, it's also Vicario. I think so much of what we do relies on having a keeper that can not only be heavily involved in our distribution forwards, but can also save our skin in a game. Mm-hmm. And he's he's done that sometimes two or three times in a game. He hasn't had a bad game yet, uh, you know, as far as as far as I can remember. And you know, I believe he's been the best keeper in the league so far. Yeah, Big Vic gets my nod. Um, uh, again, he's played every game, so I mean that's a, that's a, well, virtually every game. Uh, that's a big deal. Uh, I also have to say, probably given he was the one player I was the least sure of when we signed him. Again, coming from a place of ignorance as I was, I hadn't watched him his previous club, so I did not know. Um, uh, he's not just superseded uh, my expectations. He's he's sort of uh, well, he proved that. Any expectations I had were, were sorely under projected. I mean, he's been fantastic. He's been absolutely fantastic. Mm-hmm. And uh, also, I love the fact he's got a little bit. He's got a little bit of the mad, the mad eye about him as well. I do like that in a keeper. I've got to say, I do like the personality. I like a little bit of a vibe. I love his communication. I love the fact he's prepared to tell people what he thinks. Uh, for the passion of the club and for mm. the football, not uh, you know, not for anything else. I mean, uh, I think I think that's great. He's a leader. My word, what a, what a thing from a keeper in his first season in the Premier League. Mm. Did you see he went to um, talk to the academy kids this yeah, week? So I did. Him and yeah. Rob Birch went along and did a session with them, which yeah. is really, yeah, really good, really good. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, most improved player. I apologise uh, for my uh, shuffle. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go with Richie for this. Because firstly, he's scoring goals, which is primarily what we want from him. But I think 
especially after now you know we know the injuries he's had and and what he's been carrying plus plus like you know what what's been going on mentally for him uh and you know he 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 was uh with our previous manager there was a there was some mm. there was some touchiness there you know and and i think so we're taking all of that into account to then have a new manager come in and obviously the manager takes credit as well for that but i think richie's shown that he's he belongs he belongs in this team you know and, and he belongs at Spurs and and we're seeing that now with the goal scoring run he's on but also before that before he went on the goal scoring run he was providing he was doing a job for the team and, and not just you know that I don't mean that in a you know Chopper Harris type way I mean that in like he was a very he was a he's a very important part of that front line you know when he's on the pitch and and defensively as well you know he's popped up at the back as well and, and um, got, got a few headers out so I, I, he, I'm going to go with him Poro Pedro Poro um I mean I think he I think he did better last season than um was commonly viewed but uh he's taken te- several steps up this season um you know I was cheerleading him very early on in the season uh, you know before he was in the side and saying that I thought he would um he'd establish you know take that position but um he's you know levels above where I thought I thought he would be in that position and uh, uh you know it, I'll, I'll mention him again in a category later on, but I think he's been exceptional. So, yeah, I mean, I think you've both taken players that I would have given the nod to, uh, in all fairness. So I'm going to, you know, pick a different player to, for, for the reasons it's just being different. And I'm actually <laughs> going to pick two, uh, because I think the two of them, uh, did things, uh, this season that none of us saw coming and none of us thought they were capable of and actually made us forget, uh, well, if not quite forget, certainly live much more easily without Van de Ven and Romero. And I'm talking about Ben Davis and, and Emerson Royale in mm. those roles. Um, I think that, you know, just by, by proxy, by being able to adapt to those roles yeah. as they did and perform them, you know, with a couple of clean sheets here and there as, as seamlessly as they did over not just two or three games. I think we're talking about, I, I don't know what the numbers are, seven or eight games they played as our centre-backs. Well, I mean, you know, I, again, I, I don't know if it's improvement when you learn how to play a new position uh, to that uh, degree of, 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 you know, relative efficiency, but I'm going to give it to both of them. Um, and again, I agree with both of your choices wholeheartedly as well. I, I mean, I just love seeing the way Richie's moving since his operation. So um, best young player. Got a choice of two, really. It's Sarah or a doggy, isn't it? I mean, both of them have been great. Um, it's difficult to separate them. I'll go with Udoki because I know you'll pick the other one, Steph. <laughs> You're absolutely right. <laughs> We're covering it. Yeah, Pap. Uh, uh, again. Uh, yeah. You know what? What a what a high ceiling he has. You you can the, the places this this guy's going to go in the game. Um, hopefully he's with us for a decade and you know has a couple of titles under his belt, maybe even a Champions League because he's certainly a player who to me is fitting of that quality and is showing it. And again, I've got to go back to the personality thing. I love his personality. I love what he brings to the to to the, the squad to the game to the pitch he brings uh he brings a real joy de vivre about about him uh when he when he's out there and i think again it's another really important part of what we're doing so yeah i went with sar again it could have had just considering the age of our squad it could have had multiple winners as well but um but you know i've gone with sar as well just for someone who didn't get much game time last season He's now like a pivotal force in the hardest area of the pitch at such a young age. And, and you know, that that's exceptional. And he's been rewarded with a lovely long contract and a big pay rise, which is deserved. And even when he got injured in uh, our last game um, at home, 
before he was he was due to go to African Cup of Nations. Like he got a standing ovation, and it wasn't just a sympathy standing ovation. It was a real sincere like yeah. this is we know this is a blow for you, and we feel it, and we're with you because it's you know we know how how important you've been for us, and you know he's, he's proven to be a very popular player, not just exceptional on the pitch. Well, thankfully we've got a bunch to choose from here. <laughs> Best goal. I have a feeling we're all going to end up in the same one. I mean, I've got to be honest. Go on then. What do you reckon here, Steph? Well, I'm going for I'm I'm going for Pedro Porro's uh, thunder bastard. Thunder bastard was absolutely (laughs) phenomenal because it had the real shade of the Roberto Carlos about it. But I am also going to give an honourable mention to Richie's header at Old Trafford, which I thought was just brilliant what a brilliant header that was just i mean fantastic i mean the the skill and to get that 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 direction that jump i mean it was great it was i mean if ronaldo had done that everyone would be waffling on about it forever right so so i'll go i'll go with thunder bastard uh pedro porro but an honorable mention for richie's goal at old trafford and there are a ton more right so you you you, you're both i was gonna go with thunder bastard as well (laughs) or uh was it Jones's own goal against Liverpool? Just <laughs> <laughs> vibes. So, fi- uh, finally, Jones is off the pitch. Oh yeah, sorry, it was yeah. Who it was Matty? Who was yeah. Matty? Finally, finally, we've managed to replace Jamie Carragher. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, just to throw another one in there, Son's goal against City. So the first yeah. goal there, where oh, yeah. Brian Hill turns on a sixpence and uh, under pressure passes out to Decky, the lovely crossfield ball in behind, and yeah. then Son runs on. So. Yeah, one end of the pitch, the yeah, other. That's lovely. And, um, beautiful. yeah, lovely goal. Lovely, good team goal and yeah. kind of very angible. Yeah, beautiful. Yeah. I, I couldn't agree more with that. Um, best game. Oh, wow. This is going to be tough as well. I, I can't look past the Liverpool at home, obviously being there as well, but the mm. drama, the talking points, struggling to break down a nine man wall, the climax. And do you know, I'm genuine, like I'm genuinely getting a lump in my throat thinking about remembering how I felt at the final whistle because it was it felt like a release of all the negative energy that had been in me and around the club and in that stadium all to the soundtrack of freed freed from desire Mm. and I'll you know I'll never forget that moment because it was it was just a release after what had just happened as well I've got to ask you a question quickly. Was it in any way, I don't know if you're at this game, were you at the game where we beat Chelsea for the first time in God knows how long and Aaron Lennon scored the winner, the Martin Yole era? Were you at that game? No, it I wasn't felt, in the stadium. See, I wasn't no. at the Liverpool game, but it felt to me in terms of the opposition and how unlucky we've been against them over the years mm. and so on, it felt to me like one of those moments. I don't mm. know if it was, but mm. anyway. Mm. Um, I mean, I was thinking about, say, the, the Goon game, Um Partly because, you know, we talked about, you're talking about, um, kind of how pivotal that Chelsea game was, but I think the Goon game was also very pivotal. That first half, Arsenal mm-hmm. were pressing us really hard. And again, the, you know, commentators on TV are talking about, you know, suppose I have to change something, blah, blah, blah. Don't change anything. We do what we do better. And we, we played through them. And, um, you know, we, we, you know, we played through the press and in the second half and we played really, really well. And I think, you know, I think mentally it was another really important test for us to come through and come out the other side. And, um, you know, obviously to, you know, to score when they're still celebrating a, a goal was, was hilarious. And yeah, I think, um, that, and then from a personal point of view, the, the Man United game at the beginning of the season was just, again, similar to you, you're saying, Ram, it was just a party. It was really, really good fun. And, um, yeah. Kind of yeah, again <laughs> dancing to freed from desire at the end was just really good fun. So yeah, it's um, yeah, Steph. Yeah. Were you dancing? Well, you always. You asking? 
I am. I'm asking if you were dancing. <laughs> I was dancing. I'm, I'd like. I'd. 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 I'd, I'd, I'd I mean, you were moving and shaking, right? Were you singing along? That, that's how you generally do it, Steph. I don't know. Yeah. Singing along, shaking his. Yeah. You know, he went, you know, he went by himself there, Ram. So he wasn't. Yeah, just top I, off. He was. He was. Giving, he, probably, he was doing a Geordie, doing a Geordie twirl, wasn't he? I spent, yeah. I spent quite a lot of time in Newcastle this year. I've gone native without knowing it. Yeah. Fantastic. <laughs> oh, good stuff. Well, you know when Andrew's got Milo rocking and rolling and singing and dancing <laughs> with his top off, things are very, very good, right? I, I, I'll say I thought that the, the the win against Newcastle was probably our best game mm. of the season in context of where we yeah. were versus where we wanted to go versus really just proving all the points we'd be making above. It was it was a very mm-hmm. very uh, prophetic. Um, uh, I, I personally, I have to say, I think the other best game of the season was the Chelsea game because it was it was a line in the sand. It was a moment where we could have done what nine managers out of 10 would do which is just cling on to try and get anything out of it because we were flying high in the league at that point remember and mm-hmm. you know wisdom would tell you that a point from a game where you've had a sending off and had two injuries um is is good you know you should or sorry one injury and then two sendings off <laughs> um you know it's a good thing to do so and so but we didn't we didn't sacrifice our principles and i think that's helped set us up for everything we're doing now um yeah well final Final category, I guess it is so far, the best player. Porro. I've been saying it for weeks. Porro. Same. That's why I didn't choose him in the other category. Like I could have, we could have gone for Vicario again, but it's Pedro Porro. It's like, it's like someone has put him on beast mode, um, a cheat on FIFA. Um, you know, he's just been so consistent. He's ever present. He's involved in everything great that we do. Um, and with our absentees as well, I think he's been a real, leader on the pitch and he's become a fan favorite you know without fail this guy will gesticulate to the stands to get behind Mm -hmm. the team every game you know and that's what you want yeah he he's he really is captain material isn't he i mean he really is i mean i look i I don't want to compare him necessarily but he's got a bit of the aspilicuetas about him in terms of his personality and his vibe and and he's just hunger and his desire albeit a slightly happier version i think of that particular player but i think his presence is could become as important to our football club as aspilicueta was to his um i i i just i think his resilience is 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 astounding um you know as you said, he's an ever-present and he's been getting clattered just like everybody else. And, and you know, I think it's worth mentioning yeah. at this point. So I think we're all in agreement, Pedro Porro. I think it is worth mentioning at this point. There are several players who've probably been taken out of the of the equation, uh, um, unfortunately, due to their injuries. Mm-hmm. I'm going to give an honourable mention to yeah. one who, um, you know... <sighs> For the amount of games played, may not deserve runner-up in this category, but for sheer desire, mentality, and showing that he's about to drop into another gear, you have to give it to Rodrigo Bentancourt, who came back from an enormous, uh, enormous injury, uh, got you know twatted again within. Well, I suppose minutes, really, mm-hmm. relatively speaking. I mean, in relative terms, and has come back again at a time when this team has really, really needed him and put in some tremendous performances. Um, you know, so I, I, I give him an honourable mention uh, again in context of everything that has happened to that player. And but, so Madison ought to get an honourable mention as well because if he yes. if he hadn't been injured, then yes. you know he'd be in contention, wouldn't he? He would absolutely mm-hmm. yes, and 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 actually, I suppose what would sort of getting to is then you've got to say Sonny because he's great as skipper Van and then Becky because and then, Van Van and Christian but Romero they, how but, could we leave Christian Romero out but they, they they've been, <laughs> up, and, they've been up they've been up and down and I think Porro's consistency is what sets yes. him apart and Madison yeah, was right. very very consistent up until he was injured the others right. the others have have yeah. had fluctuations in form there we are I, and you know what I, I have to agree 
have to agree with that, Ram. He's right again. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Dear Lord. <laughs> Shall we rattle through <laughs> these predictions really quickly? Yeah. Why don't, you, why don't you ask a couple of these questions? I feel that... Uh, Go on then. So what should our target be for the rest of the season? Third. Go on, Steph. You. Uh, I think our target should be... <laughs> Top four. <laughs> Top four. So I think we're, we're we're already becoming one of the most attractive destinations for players across Europe. Add Champions League to that and we'll be fighting with the biggest clubs for pretty much any player apart from maybe the proven elite level players. But um, I think trophies will come as a result of that. So I don't want to downplay the importance of winning actual silverware, but I think that getting top four will help to achieve that objective as well. So you're saying third, Steph. And I think do- we should be aiming for third for sure. And I think that will ensure top four. I, I, at this point, I'd be disappointed if we don't make Champions League. Yes. And a precise number of points above Aston Villa in mind? No. <sighs> I think... Think. You know, you know that Gareth has remember knows this exactly how how many points above that you've got a bet on him with. Do I do I have a bet with him? I think, I think it was eight do, points. Yeah. I actually finished eight points above them to him, didn't I? And yeah. I might, I might, well, not for the sake of our bet. I, I, I stand by our bet. <laughs> I will say, look, I stand by our bet. So if it doesn't happen, fair enough. But I do think five, a five point cushion is safe, and I think we will finish at least five. Points. <laughs> I, think you I said wasn't talking about that step. I was just, I was just. Eight points optimistically. Just you just winding me up again. Well, whatever. I'll go for it. I'm, 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 I'm happy to go for any. Um, anyone, anyone want to give I'm, me some coffee? Because I'm giving a couple of pounds out. I'm getting one back. I'm getting one back from him. He's been gleefully. Have you seen this in our WhatsApp? He's been gleefully messaging. He's, but I mean, I've had an hour by hour update to the Ivan Perisic loan. Did you know this? It's been hourly. You've, My word. I'm, I, I think I know what. I think I know when he got his boarding pass. <laughs> You're jumping ahead of yourself there, Steph. It is in the notes later on. Um, well, I agree. I agree you'll with you. Get think, a second, get a second crack then, won't you? I, I agree with you. I think we ought to be going for aiming for the top three. And yeah. you know, from this position, with players coming back, you know, higher. You know, top three or higher. And yeah. um, what do you think our yeah. chances of achieving this are? A hundred percent. Top yeah. four is a hundred percent. I think we'll finish top four. Yeah. Yeah, I think we'll comfortably finish top four. Last question is where we finish. I think we kind of answered that, haven't we? Well, I think it'll be fourth. I'm going to say second. I love it. I think it's going to be second. Wow. I love it. I'll split the difference and say third then. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, just the caveat to all that is, by the way, I think, are we all in agreement that even if our 100% were going to finish top four and we ended up finishing fifth, we would still have to already at this stage consider that whatever happens in in the coming months, we have already had a season that's been successful beyond Mm -hmm. our our, our expectations or hopes. So is it it fair to say that? I think it is, right? Uh Absolutely fair. And I th- I'll go further. If we hadn't had got the injuries that we did, I'd, I would say we'd be comfortably first as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm that convinced. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Right. The week that was. It's a busy one this week, so we're going to have to rattle through it, I think. Um, so Sun Hyung Min has been named the best footballer in Asia for the seventh year in a row and ninth time in his career. Sonny took 22.9% of the votes ahead of compatriot Kim Min Jae, Bayern Munich, who finished second in ni- with 19.54. And third... Famous Asian footballer Cristiano Ronaldo of Al Nasser with 17 points. I don't assume the criteria is either from an Asian country or playing in an Asian country. But I mean, it, I just think it's funny that Messi's picking up World, yeah. uh, World Footballer of the Year and Cristiano Ronaldo is finishing third in Asian Footballer of the Year. Uh, I just want to offer special kudos to Jurgen Klinsmann for all the fine work he's done for Sammy's career. 
in achieving that award. Oh, yeah. <laughs> awesome. Um, Sergio Reggion has joined Brentford on loan for the rest of the season with no option to buy. Reggie spent the first half of the season at loan at Man United, where he made 12 appearances in all competitions. Brentford have quite a lot of injury problems at the moment. Rico Henry's out for the rest of the season, so it seems to make sense, and Reggie should get plenty of minutes. Any thoughts on this? Good move. Poor guy was derailed by an Iberian ham, and whenever I hear his first name, I immediately think Perrin. <laughs> okay, thanks for that. Ivan Perisic. You're welcome. Me, <laughs> Ivan Perisic has earned me, me a bag of coffee um, by joining Hedrick Split on loan for the rest of the season. Uh, his contract's up in the summer, so like, dire, it's goodbye. Any thoughts, Steph? I, I mean, I said... Yeah, you've missed I, a line, actually. I'm surprised. You've missed a line that you wrote. What? The last one? I've already... I, 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 I had lived and chucked it. that in at the beginning. Oh, okay. All right. Very good. All right. I just wondered if you wanted to read. Uh, if, if anyone was in any doubt, I owe uh, Milo a coffee on this because I felt that Ivan Perisic might play one more time for us. No, you didn't. You said he'd get a new contract. Did I? Yeah, oh, you said he'd, he'd, he'd get an extension. I can't even remember the fucking bet. I knew that I didn't think he was going to be leaving the club in January. Let's just say that. So no, no, you thought the he'd current be here coffee next score, year. the current coffee score as it stands, two, is Milo two, uh, uh, Steph one at this point. So um, you know, and and I think what you'll witness um, on on this pod, and you will witness it, is we will each. I will. I will expect to receive a pound of coffee okay. and I will be sending two pounds of coffee. None I, of this, well, you know, we can equal it out and you just get one. None of that. Yeah, no, no. Yeah, yeah. It is. And I'm hoping that there'll be more bets in the second half of the season. But uh, good luck to Ivan. Um, it's really unlucky the way it turned out. My word, he would have enjoyed some appearances under this manager, wouldn't he? And he did early doors. So, but good for him. Yeah. I mean, he, he wants to be in Croatia's um, Euro squad and he's not going to get a chance with us. So it makes sense. And it's, you know, he goes with my fondest memories because I'm going to get a nice bag of coffee off you. And I, I sent you, I sent, I sent you my, uh, my preferred <laughs> coffee roasters, uh, <laughs> list this week. Um, Alfie Devine has been recalled from his loan at Port Vale and swiftly sent off to join Ash Phillips at Plymouth Argyle. Uh, Alfie made 26 appearances in all competitions for Port Vale during the first half of the season, scoring three goals. Devine has been doing well in League One. And the jump to the championship should uh, be helped by Plymouth manager Ian Foster, having managed Alfie in the England youth setup before. This is good, isn't it? It's straight straight in the side yesterday as well. Got an assist. Yeah, definitely guiltier than you are of of maybe not um, you know keeping up with uh, you know who's de- in development, so to speak, and who's doing well on loan. I mean, we've got some great players out there, haven't we, to come back, and this can only help mm-hmm. him push even further. I mean, he may need another year. I don't know. I mean, you and Gareth, as I say, you, you both are onto this. Yeah, I think he's got a chance of um, of being a squad member next year, particularly you know with European football. And I think playing in the Championship gives him a far better chance of achieving that because obviously it's a, it's a step up in quality. Um, I mean, I think the advantage he's got is he's quite adaptable. As I said before, the player he reminds me most of is Steven Gerrard, and I think he could play either of the eight roles in the squad. So. Um, as a as a you know younger member of the a European squad, being able to cover the you know the Madison or the Saar role as we kind of understand them at the moment would be really useful. Um, you know he's also played out wide in the front line for us uh, in pre season, so you know quite a useful player to have there. Priceless, yeah, indeed. Jaffet Tanganga has been recalled from his season long loan in Augsburg and is uh, is joined to the, also gone to the Championship with Millwall. Uh, Jaffet had rock, rotten luck at Augsburg, getting injured shortly after arriving. Then manager um, Enrico uh, Masson was replaced with Jess Thorup, who changed from a back three to a back four and found that he had too many centre-backs. So all this meant that Jaffet hasn't played a single minute so far this season, has only made the bench once. 
Um, let's hope it goes better for him in South London. Yeah, I mean, I just d- desperately unlucky mm-hmm. because he's a really, really solid player. He's really solid, and and he's definitely could do a job in the Premiership for several clubs right now. I think several clubs who would, but, but you know, especially in the lower lower part of the table, who would probably really benefit from him. So yeah, let's hope that this works it's, out for him, and I, I really want him to succeed. I really do. Yeah, I mean, it feels like a, a you know a drop probably below his level, and Millwall are a yes. mid-table Championship side. Uh, I know they've got an injury injury problems at the uh, in defence at the moment, and um, they 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 change manager mid season. Um, but yeah, I mean he's good enough to be playing for you know a championship side who are chasing promotion or a, or a Premier League side. So um, I hope it works out for him. And again, he's another player who's had rotten luck with yeah. injuries and and realistically should have been loaned out several years ago because he's he's barely played any football for quite a long time. So hopefully, yeah. um, hopefully he gets his chance and it's another loan without an option. So um, hope, yeah, hopefully he gets a show, chance to show what he can do and 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 find a new club in the summer. Um, and just a rumour roundup really to finish with here. So we'll come back and talk about these a bit more detail if any of this interest firms up or someone credible reports on it. But so the Suns, Tom Barkley, uh, reported on Sunday that we've rejected a bid from Al Nasser. That's, uh, Ronaldo's club, uh, for Emerson Royal. He says that Emerson is happy at Spurs, but Al Nasser, um, are believed to be readying another offer. Sacrilegious. He cannot be allowed to, <laughs> yeah. to leave and he should not be sold, especially since he's one of the most well, improved players at the club, as voted by a certain uh, member of the Games About Glory panel. But I guess that means that Ronaldo might be leaving because it'd be a like for like replacement. <laughs> I mean, you say I, that, and you, I know you say it with love because you're. We're, we're, I do. Yeah, I know. I do. We're on 100%. the ER bandwagon, always have been. Yeah. We really are. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I would sell him in the summer, or certainly listen to offers for him in the summer. Um, but in January, it doesn't make any sense. You know, he's our, our first choice backup in both fullback positions, and you're not going to be able to get cover for both of those in in you know in the next ten days. So. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense whatsoever. I, I think the offer they made for him was less than we paid for rom- him, which isn't going to happen either. No, and the romantic in me wants to see him running around the pitch next May as part of the championship winning squad in those ludicrously baggy shorts with a pair of flip-flops, knowing that his Instagram is going to be one of the greatest <laughs> things ever in the creation of digital social media. So, you know, that's the romantic. But practically speaking, you're probably not wrong. <laughs> you just said you want to see him winning the championship. I mean, I'm just... Um, oh, sorry, you, Premier you, League. You, I apologise. <laughs> can't can't get away with anything today, can you? But yeah, the wrong order in the questions. You're right. The title, the Premier League. Just to be clear, I'm. You know, we will still be in the Premier League and we'll be winning it. Yeah. We're being linked with a move for Wolves and Brazilian midfield uh, Yao Gomes. Gomes uh, joined Wolves a year ago, fifteen million from Flamengo. Um, it's impressed in the Premier League. Uh, meant to be preparing, preparing a bid for thirty million. I don't know what preparing means. Um, Ali Gold has. <laughs> <laughs> any, any thoughts on Gomez? I trust the scouting I, department. I yeah. mean, I, you know, I, he's more of a defensive midfielder. So when you think about yeah. some of the other midfielders yeah. we've been been linked with, I think that suggests that Benton Kerr would be playing as an eight rather than a six, and Gomez would be re, uh, you know, rotating with Basuma. I'd be quite happy with that. Um, mm. But yeah, interesting. Um, yeah, Andy Gold said that we're interested in Norwich winger Jonathan Rowe. Um, but at this moment, we haven't made a move. Rowe looks very much like an Ange player, scored 12 goals and provided three assists in 28 matches so far this season. It's really exciting. Um, 
And talking of exciting players, reports coming from Belgium on Thursday night and since picked up by everyone is that we're negotiating with Club Bruges to sign highly rated super kid Antonio Nusa. Nusa is primarily a left winger but can play across the front line. And reports say that we're willing to cough up £25 million for his signature and then loan him back to Bruges for the rest of the season. Really wow, exciting, what a signing it? he would be. I mean, he's he's electric, isn't he? Yeah. He's so exciting. He's such an... I mean, mm. I, again, there's this question mark over how much he actually produces versus what he shows in the final third in terms of his quick feet but I mean he does cause untold amounts of of anxiety in any opposition he's running at and he's got that quality which I know Milo you've been uh, banging on about for ages which is uh he he takes men on and dribbles around them like they're yeah. training cones I mean it's um, I mean really it's, wonderful it, that's the one quality we're really lacking in our front line so mm. um yeah I think it'd be really exciting and when, you know if we got him if he's ready for Premier League football next season you know two big ifs there um, but by my reckoning, if that's the case, we'd be one central midfielder, two fullbacks, a central defender and a goalkeeper. All of those being kind of second choice players away from having two good players for every position. So, wow. you know, five players in the summer seems kind of doable to me. You know, it might be four if we bring in a central midfielder this month as well. So, yeah. It, it, it's, I tell you, there's a player that was playing. Uh, I mentioned him actually in our chat thread. It was nothing to do with Spurs. A player called Oscar Bob at Manchester City, who obviously has, you know, mm-hmm. become quite prominent. But uh, he scored a winning goal at Newcastle, where he had just this. I mean, incredible feet, so quick, so tight. And I look at some of the footwork that Noose has shown in my extensive YouTube scouting. <laughs> Um, but it looks like they are both, and maybe I'm drawing too much of a parallel for the because it's convenient. But they're both, you know, young teenage Norwegian players, and they have these. They both seem to have the same very, very quick shuffle, really, really excellent uh, footwork in tight spaces. I don't, you know, there seems to be a generation there, and it feels like this is exactly the sort of signing that Manchester City like to make. And it feels like if we get this across the line, we are making a statement. Arsenal, Chelsea and uh, and Liverpool have been linked. And Chelsea had a €30 million Euro bid refused in the summer, but I think they wanted him straight away. So, And finally, Steph, your Eric Dyer lament. <laughs> a week's past. How's it going, mate? Are you holding up well, all right? First of all, thank you very much for your kind uh, uh, you know, words last week. Um, it, did, it, it did hurt that I couldn't wax lyrical uh, about him. Um, Look, I, you know, I think the thing that's made me the happiest about uh, the way it's all gone down is that it, it ended it ended nicely. You know, there mm. were really nice sentiments exchanged by uh, the club. And also it seems like, you know, most people understood and appreciated what the, what the man has given to the club and the type of man he is. So let's just say all is well that ended well. Um, it was the right move for everyone. Um, I'm just, I'm just very sorry for him that he's not going to get a winner's medal this season in any competition. I mean, you know, I feel sorry for him. Whereas if he managed to hang in for another few months, he might have an FA Cup uh, winner's medal on his, uh, on his mantelpiece. I've knows, got, to, but... I've got to be honest with you, Steph. I was a bit worried with a week between or ten days between it being announced and you next being on the pod that you'd had time to write a one-hour monologue intro <laughs> where, <laughs> where you kind of rattled through some of his achievements and your, uh, your love for him. So, all things considered, no, you, you did know, such. A, you all did such a good job last week of giving him the respect I felt he deserved as a player. I, I know that. I know that this is, you know, this is very personal, and and I appreciate the time. And again, I mean, what is worth noting is that I, the only name I get on the back of a, a replica shirt uh, is is usually mine, and the only two names I've had 
ever on the back of a reptile. It was Gareth Bale, and that was uh, because in a pandemic time, it was such an exciting thing to happen. That I, you know, I wasn't going to joy thief myself by thinking I'm too old for that. But what was remarkable is that last season, the beginning of last season, when I got the new home shirt, um, the player that I immediately went uh, and got on the back was Eric Dyer because I, I just mm. respected everything he stood for. So I'm just glad it worked out uh, so respectfully in the end for everyone. Um, you know, I, I'd love to see him back at the club in some sort of a coaching capacity or, you know, a, a backroom capacity in some day. Who knows? But uh, yeah, all good. Thank you for the time. I, I'm, <laughs> I bet you're relieved, aren't you? You're like, oh, this pod is actually not as long as I thought it was going to be. <laughs> Should we do the outro? Well, there was something else I wanted to say about Eric, actually. (laughs) (laughs) Now you've reminded me. Anyway, Anyway, look, that was a lot of fun. It was just so much fun around the club right now and so many good things happening. How could it have been anything else but a good old uh, chinwag about some great stuff? So uh, that's the halfway point of this season. Uh, Thanks, chaps. It was indeed a good one. Cheers, Steph. Cheers, Steph. And we'll be back next week to chat about our FA Cup tie against Manchester City and catch up with the latest transfer rumours and news and... Steph, stop there. We haven't had time to talk about Mourinho getting sacked by Roma. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for joining us. And we'll see you next week. (laughs) 